the way the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and served you the Lord. Verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I thought somebody would say that with me. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. By the time you get to verse 29, the Bible says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died being a hundred and ten years old. This morning, in very few words, I want to talk to you about it is your choice. It is whose choice? It is whose choice? Yes, it is your choice. Now, I want to bring out a few things from this story and then you understand what choices you have. When Joshua was speaking to the people, he made sure he started from where a lot of them we have no recollection of. He started from their ancestors. He started from the grandfather of Abraham. He started from Nahor. Uh, he started from uh, Terah. It started from when they were on the other side. These are ancestors that most of us never met. If you trace your generation, you'll find that, that most of us don't even know more than either the grandparents, and that is if you are lucky to know your grandparents. He goes ahead to say that God made a choice by choosing you. And begins between verse 2 and 7 to talk about the struggles that your parents went through that were not in your making. I want to remind you that by the time that Joshua is telling this story, everybody that left Egypt had perished in the wilderness. And so he is telling their children, You are orphans for a reason. He is telling their children that there is a reason that God did not allow those unbelieving parents to bring you up. And God himself decided to be your father. Is telling the children some of the stories that some of our own children may not be able to relate to today. That is why the Bible says in the book of Exodus, it says, You will tell it unto your children that at one time our fathers were slaves somewhere. Then you will tell it to your children. 
that at one time certain things were not allowed by people, by certain groups of people. He's talking about struggles in life. He gets to verse eight. Verse eight. And then the story changed. He said, "Now God brought you to another land." A land you did not work for. A land you did not actually deserve. Despite hostilities. Despite discrimination. Despite everything that the system was uh, was designed to do. Kings were against them. The citizens of the land were against them. He said, but God saw you too. I am sure that is the testimony of somebody. When God took you from where he took you from, you had no father where you went. But God was with you. The circumstances that you can never imagine, they were there in such a way that you can only but say that God is good. And then from verse 11, it specifically talks about the victory that you could never have won by yourself. It talks about supernatural manifestations that came in your favor. But then it is true, it is true that nobody prays to see the wrath of God. But when God shows his wrath to somebody else on your behalf, after some time, even you will begin to ask God if you do not. And then he talks about the land. As many of us as God has allowed to come from different places. Today we can, we can lay hold to this land. And say, this is our land. Because the Lord has said so. We can say, this is our city. Because the Lord has said so. Brother, without being a farmer, I am not hungry. Because God has said so. Now, having thought of all of these things, it now gives you the choice to make out of three things. He said, number one, the God of your father. I know some of us may say we really don't know what that means. He's <laughs> talking about the gods of your ancestors. He's talking about the traditions and the cultures of your great-grandparents. But then there are gods and there are gods. There are gods that enslave and there are gods that free. There are gods that promote adultery. But God says that is not for him. There are gods that, that promote betrayal. You know, I have come to understand something. Those of you that know what some of your great grandparents used to do, have you not noticed that whenever you go to look for the solution of the problem, they create another problem? Let me say that again. Whenever you go to the oracle, 
Whenever you go to the spear, whenever you go to the talisman, and say, I am looking for the solution why things are not going well in my life, you are going because you already have a problem, right? That when you are going there, you have one problem. By the time you leave, they will have questioned you. Who do you live with? How many wives does your father have? How many children does your mother have? And then by the time you leave, you have five problems. Because they will tell you that that your father's brother, that that your uncle's mother, that that boy that lives and sleeps in the next room with you, is the reason for your problem. But interestingly, I realized that they always know the problem, they never have the solution. And so, you, how many problems did you go there with? How many? How many are you living with? And then Joshua is saying, leave those gods again. Those are gods that create division. Those are gods that promote betrayal. Those are gods that it doesn't matter what you do, they want you to be at the top by cheating, by covetousness. Those are gods that say that the life of a woman is worth nothing. You know, in those days, anywhere you go and there's a quarter, the man will always be, the man will always win. Some of you can testify. You go to the village and say your husband is cheating. By the time you are leaving, whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? It is the woman's fault. Those are the gods that we have. By the time you go anywhere, by the time you have a female child, people even look at you and say you are childless. Because the female child was worth nothing. But glory be to God. I thought all the women would shout. I said, glory be to God. God said, those gods cannot continue like this. And yet, you still want to hold on to those gods. And yet, even women still consult those gods. Those are gods that believe in false witnesses. Those are gods that instill fear. Let me quickly say something, brethren. You may be struggling with fear. It is not because you are not spiritual. It is because you have inherited certain things or because that is the way you used to think from where you are coming from. It is not unusual that most of us are not even thinking of success. We are scared of failure. It is not unusual that instead of applying your faith, it is the fear that is pushing you. 
Brethren, any God that is increasing the fear in anybody is not a good God. If God tells you in a dream that something is about to happen, He will show you the way out. And so somebody says, Pastor, God showed me the dream. I was in a pit. I said, then what happened? Say, I woke up. Ah, that is not my own God. Amen? If it's God, if it is my own God, it will show a hand that is lifting me. If it is my own God, it will show a rope that is coming down for you to climb. If it is my own God, it will make a way where there is no way. In fact, if it is my own God, you will suddenly see steps in the world. If it is my own God, He doesn't mind bringing a lion to help you out of the dungeon. You see a God that is showing you that you are in the, in the well, it is not from God. What else do, do those gods do? Oh, I've mentioned finger pointing. I've mentioned insincere worship. They are the gods that force a man to lie. They are the gods that encourage a man to kill another. They are the gods of polygamy. That the God of pride and the God of wickedness. You know, whenever you mention the word wickedness, wickedness sometimes it is difficult to explain. But I will tell you one story, you will, you will understand it. I remember in those days when we were in school, I lived with some, some other students. And we had one boy in our midst, he loved to read. In those days, and some of you may not be able to relate to this, in those days, when you cook beans, it takes two hours. And so when the boy is, is cooking his beans, he's reading by the side. And though that boy, not only was he reading, he was very good. You couldn't count the top ten in the class without his name being there. You couldn't count the top ten in the class without his name being there. And so this boy had a routine. Every Saturday morning, he will pick up his bag that we will have packed the Friday night. Are you getting it? And then he will go to read. He was so class, he was so clinical that even me as a student, I envied him. So one day, he went to read. He came back within a short time. Now, when you go to read in those days, you walk about 20 minutes. So it means that he had walked that many minutes. 20 minutes, and how many minutes again? When he came back, he was very sad. I said, what is the problem? He said, he said alas. When I go to class, I realized that the books I put inside my back have turned to stone. I said, how did that happen? Only to find out that one of our roommates exchanged the books for a stone. He said, this boy reads too much. This boy reads too much. 
Brethren, that is wickedness. So if you don't have any way of defining wickedness, say Pastor told us a story. You are laughing now. I hope you are not doing that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Number two. The gods we talked about. Those are the gods of your past. Those are the gods that most of us have no dealing with. But they are the gods of the present. Because the Bible says that the gods that your father served on the other side. But then there's also the gods that they had in the land. The second group of gods. In today's words. That is God of capitalism. The God that wants to always make you compare yourself to other people. That is why Jesus said in the New Testament. He said you cannot serve God and Mammon. I was reading through something this morning and it was, it was very interesting. If you Google it, there's, a, there's, a, there's this political satire. That if you have two cows, some of you will have read it before. If you have two cows, I did not realize that there were so many ways that you could have two cows. For example, if you have two cows, you can decide to give one to another person. You can decide that those two cows, you, you will milk them and sell the milk. The government can decide to take the two cows and sell you milk. Or the government can take the cows and give you milk. Or you can breed the cow until the cow does the work of five people and then the cow dies and then you set up a committee to investigate why the cow died. I won't say it in public, but that last one is the American way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, the point is this. Whenever the thought of money is controlling your life more than the thought of God, then there's a problem. And so when he says, choose you this day whom you shall Brother, money is a tool. And money gives you choices. But money will never replace the place of God. In fact, let me say this. The person that doesn't have money does not have the responsibility that you have when you have money. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is expected. I will remind you the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man did not go to hell because he was rich. The rich man went to hell because every day you saw somebody that was in need. And yet, there was nothing you did. 
When God was speaking to Ezekiel in Ezekiel, I think chapter 16, he was revealing some things, and then he said, and by the way, these were the sins that were being committed in Sodom. Most of those sins we are committing now, because we are driven by money. Parce que nous par when it comes to serving God, people do not do a lot of mathematics. In fact, they, they want to round up when it comes to serving God. And so if God says, I will increase you 40 to 10, for example, they say 40 to 10 is equivalent to 50. And so you begin to claim what? 50. But when God says, pay me twice, and the money is 9.23, we say after all, God will understand there's no 23 cents in Canada. Nous allons dire Dieu ne va comprendre qu'il n'y a pas 23 cents au Canada. And then we remove the 23 cents. Il enlève les 23 cents. When it comes to giving, we round down. Quand ça devient pour donner, when it comes to receiving, we round up. Quand ça devient pour recevoir, on a Brother, who are you serving? Qui est-ce en train de servir, frère? Whenever you think about money and you are uncomfortable with the things of God, there's a problem. Quand vous pensez de l'argent, vous êtes inconfortable aux choses de Dieu, il y a un problème. Ever since the day I read in scripture, that God told that man, we will see whose money to become now. If you don't spend it, other people will spend it. If you don't spend it for God, God will give it to those that will spend it for God. And so stop thinking about money the way we are thinking about money. Let me tell you that the more you spend, the more God gives you. Le mieux vous dépensez, le mieux Dieu vous donne. Somebody once told me that once you make your fist tight, nothing can come in, nothing can go out. Une fois quelqu'un m'a dit, quand fermez votre poing, rien ne peut entrer, rien ne peut sortir. So, in the land, what are we having? Dans la contrée, que sommes-nous en train? Now we have three choices. Nous avons trois choix. Number one choice, is it the God of our fathers? Premièrement, est-ce que Dieu de the God of our fathers has all the characteristics I told you. The gods of our fathers are the gods that give and take back. They give you a child, but they don't tell you that when that child is seven years old, the child must go. Is it the God of this world? Or is it number three, the Lord God Almighty? When it comes to God, remember I said the God of our Father is the God of the past. The God of the present, the God of the present is capitalism. A God Almighty is the God of the past, the present, and the future. Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible also tells us that God is the ancient of days. And so when you make up your mind and say, I am going to pick God, 
I'll tell you some few things that you have to understand by the time you pick God. Number one, you have to accept his terms for what it is. It is not negotiable. It is not negotiable. If Jesus could not negotiate it, you cannot negotiate it. If Apostle Paul could not negotiate it, you cannot negotiate it. If Stephen could not negotiate it, you cannot negotiate it. And what are the terms? That whosoever shall believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. What are the terms? That in this world you must have tribulation. What are the terms that we walk by faith and not by sight? What are the terms of God that things will not always work out the way you expect them to work out? What are the terms of God that your will will not always be served? What are the terms of God that you need to be sincere and faithful? The Bible says that the faithful man shall abound with blessings. What are the terms of God that you cannot succeed alone? You have to be your brother's keeper. But then all you need to do is to look around you and you understand what God is saying. What are the terms of God that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What are the terms of God that he that is faithful in lives to? He that is sees lives to as opportunity will be faithful in much. What are the terms of God that it is not for him that starts, but to him that finishes well? It is not to him, but has a glorious beginning. The terms of God is for him that has a glorious ending. The terms of God are the same thing that you see every day in life, only that we don't notice it. I was going through some videos. And consistently, I saw the video of Usain Bolt. There were very few races that he started and he was in front. So if the competition started, stopped when he started, it was nowhere to be found. But at the end, he given the medal. Well done. Faithful father. But then the times of God is that you must finish well. The times of God is that nobody knows where the finish line is. The times of God is such that it is only when you step across that line or when you are very close and God opens your eyes to see then you will say like Jesus Christ that it is finished 
que c'est fini. Then you will say like Apostle Paul. Vous direz comme Apostle Paul. I have fought a good fight. J'ai combattu le bon combat. Then you will be privileged like Stephen. Vous serez privilégié comme Stephen. So say I see my Messiah in heaven standing. Il dit je vois le mon Messie dans le ciel debout. At that time, then you know that the end is near. À ce moment-là, vous connaissez que la fin. But of people will never know when the end comes. La majorité des gens ne peut pas connaître quand la fin. And that is why you need to prepare yourself for that. I said two things and then we will close. Je vais dire deux choses et puis on va Why is this message coming now? Pourquoi ce message vient maintenant? The message is coming because there is a new season of life that is coming to you. Parce qu'il y a une nouvelle saison de la vie qui vient. I said there's a new season of life that is coming to you. And what you did in the previous seasons will not see you through this season. And so you need to make up your choice, your mind today. Are you going to be in 2021 and living as if you are in 1962? Are you going to be a Christian yet? You receiving help from the places that your grandfather has left. Vous êtes ici et vous recevez l'aide du testament de votre grand-père. Are you going to say that my faith is in the Lord God Almighty that can provide for me? Allez-vous dire que ma foi est dans le Dieu puissant qui va pouvoir pour moi? Or is your provision the thing that you can provide for yourself? Ou votre provision c'est des choses que vous pouvez pouvoir vous-même. But then you can have all the food in your store. It takes only one mishap. It takes only one mishap for that store to burn down. But if God is by your side, then God will tell you where to go. God will tell you who to meet. And your life will not be the same. Maybe you are going through a circumstance today. And God is bringing this message to remind you that you cannot have your hands in two places at the same time. That you will choose today who you will serve. But as for me and my house, as for you and your house, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I said, what are you going to do? Let's stand on our feet. Your prayer is very simple this morning. And that is just to commit yourself into the hands of God. You have made this commitment several times. But it seems every time you make the commitment, you fall short. But today you want to commit yourself unto God. And say, Lord, I'm making this commitment afresh. I will go all the way with you. I will no longer go back to the gods of my forefathers. I will, not, I will not live my life dependent on the God of this world. But I will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord with my strength. I will serve the Lord with my resources. I will serve the Lord with my time. I will serve the Lord with everything that is within me. Let's lift up our voice and begin to pray. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. May we please share the grace in fellowship. May the grace.